0: Your, what is this, says Philippians. I told Mike originally that I was going to preach out of Philippians. <laughs> yesterday, Mike got a text yesterday morning from me saying, hey Mike, I'm going in a different direction. I'm going to be preaching out of Matthew 1. And Mike, to his reply says, oh, no, well, I think on the bulletin they already put Philippians. Oh, well, I'm praying for you. To which my I, and I didn't reply, but I thought, I hope Mike's praying really, really good right now, because this is a last-minute decision. Um, but I just, the reason why, so if you, if you already marked your Bibles in Philippians, I would encourage you to go ahead and open it to Matthew chapter 1. The reason why I've gone to Matthew chapter 1 is because, you know, we just spent uh, Thursday celebrating Thanksgiving. It's a big holiday in America. I love Thanksgiving. I love it a lot. But what happens, and we spend time being thankful for all kinds of things. Family, God, uh, friends, jobs, church, the list goes on of all the things that we're thankful for. And we get to spend that day and even that week doing that. But then we go, we, we, do, we make this transition from Thanksgiving into the Advent season. And we spend the whole month of December celebrating the coming of Jesus, and this is my favorite time of the year, Christmas is my favorite time of the year, it's my favorite holiday, it's my favorite time for numerous reasons, this is not a good thing for me, because my wife's favorite holiday is Thanksgiving, and if you're like me, as soon as Halloween is over with, you jump straight to Christmas, you just jump straight to Christmas, you completely pass over Thanksgiving straight to Christmas, Don't get me wrong, I love Thanksgiving. I just love Christmas 100,000 times more. So we spend this time transitioning from Thanksgiving into the season of Advent where we are preparing our hearts for the coming of the king of the world. God has come and made his home inside of us. He has dwelt among us. And he has come for one reason and one reason only, that he would live with his people and that he would save them from their sins. And I just want to tell you that this is worth celebrating every single day of December. And it's worth celebrating every other day of the entire year, amen? But this is why I love Christmas more than I've ever loved it before. You know, I've loved Christmas because of the lights. I've loved Christmas because of the decorating of the Christmas tree. In fact, this is Sale and I's first Christmas together. A week before Christmas, we decorated our Christmas tree. Because when you come into my family, you start decorating for Christmas before Thanksgiving. Okay, which just totally looks over her love for Thanksgiving. Totally looks, this is not a good thing for me, right? Just, I already said that, but but I love Christmas. For the lights, the cold weather. Typically we have cold weather during Christmas. I mean, the list goes on, I think, you, and you can agree with me why you love Christmas. For the cookies, the candy canes, uh, you know, the stories, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, all of the cartoons, everything. It's a Wonderful Life. That's the greatest movie that's ever been made. I love that movie. I love, I've, I've introduced that movie to so many people in my life. I really have, because I love it so much. But. Almost four years ago in the spring, everything changed for me in my life because I made a decision to follow Jesus. I invited Jesus into my life. I became a follower of Jesus, and everything changed. And I was going on one path, and then I suddenly began to go on a new path. And I think that every one of you, I hope and pray, has the same exact story. So it doesn't take away from all of the things that I love Christmas. Those are all good things. I still love Christmas for those things. I'm 31 years old. I still love and anticipate presents under the tree. I'm not ashamed of that. I anticipate presents under the tree. I celebrate Christmas for all of the reasons I told you, but they all become secondary to what has become the primary purpose of me celebrating and anticipating the Christmas season, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, who who left glory to come and make himself as a human, to dwell among his people, to endure such excruciating pain on the cross so that we could be reconciled back to God. That's worth celebrating. And that's why I love Christmas. So again, if you have your Bible, I encourage you to follow along with me. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons I love the Christmas story so much is it reveals the redeeming nature of God. The Christmas story reveals the redeeming nature of God. Right off the bat here, Matthew is describing to us that this birth is not of natural causes. It is not of natural causes. This birth is distinctly different than any other birth. Matthew is saying that before this marriage even took off, Before it was ever even consummated, Mary was found pregnant. Now, if you're Joseph, you're scratching your head right now. Joseph is engaged to be married to Mary. Mary has promised and has pledged to be married to this man. And before they have consummated their marriage, this is what the Bible tells us, she's found to be pregnant. Joseph has every reason to be scratching his head right now. Joseph has every reason to have any kind of decisions that have been made already to maybe think otherwise. I would do the same thing. I think any man in the right mind who is engaged to be married to a woman finds out she's pregnant, they have not consummated their marriage, it's okay to have some questions to ask about that. Don't be surprised that Joseph is contemplating divorce. Because in their time, to be, be engaged, being engaged to be married meant they were already actually married. And you'll see that some more as we go on. But it says, Mary was pledged to be married, but she's already pregnant. And now you might even ask, because not in this specific book does it say Mary was a virgin. Yet it does say that she was found pregnant before they consummated their marriage. If you look in Luke chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, it says this, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. This virgin's name was Mary. Now, I just want to give it to you straight so nobody's confused. Mary has not had sex yet. That's just giving it to you plain. But she's pregnant. The Bible is making it clear that the birth of Jesus did not come by natural means. This is important. This begins to change everything in the story of Christmas. The birth of Jesus Christ did not come by natural means. So if this is the case, then how is this Jesus to be born? And look what it says. Before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. You know, another version actually says it better, I think. It says, before they came together, she was found to be with child through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because as we know, there is power in the Holy Spirit. We first see the nature and the work of the Holy Spirit Back in Genesis 1. Now you can turn there. It's 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 an easy turn. Just don't lose your spot in Matthew. But it says in Genesis 1. Starting in verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Right there. That's the first glimpse we get of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. So back up with me. Back to verse 18 in Matthew 1. This is how the birth of Jesus came about from what Matthew has just told us the birth of Jesus's life was not of natural causes we got that by the consummation of a man and a woman this is how we know to have kids but the birth of Jesus Christ was born or, or but that Jesus was born through the power of the Holy Spirit this is what this text is telling us that the birth of Jesus Christ came not of natural causes but by the power of the Holy Spirit I just want to add, because I think that the Christmas story and the Virgin Mary coincide. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, people generally know about the Virgin Mary. The Virgin Mary is in a lot of songs, and when we come uh, around Christmas time, Virgin Mary, people are aware of that. But I think what people are missing, maybe even in the church today, is that the virgin birth of Jesus Christ was only made possible by the Holy Spirit of God. And so now let's look closely at that word birth. That word birth in the Greek is translated into Genesis. It's translated into Genesis, meaning beginning. So this is why we looked at the beginning of the Bible. Because in the beginning, in the beginning of the Bible marks the beginning of human history. And who's at the beginning of human history? God. Now I know we're turning a lot, you don't have to turn here, but just follow me for a second. And John chapter one, starting at verse one, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing has been made that has been made." That's John chapter 1 one through three. Now if you're not following, let me catch you up. Jesus is the Word here. This is what John is telling us in his gospel. At the beginning of John's gospel, he's telling us that Jesus is the infinite God. He is the Word, God in the flesh. And how do we know this? Because again, back in Genesis, when God spoke, He created. So when God created, He spoke. God said, let there be fill in the blank. We are just getting a picture, I hope and pray, of the importance of the virgin birth and the magnitude of who this baby really is. This is no ordinary baby. This is a baby born with power. This is a baby born to save, born to lead. And this is a baby that 700 years before this birth ever even took place, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, you might remember. This is Isaiah 9, starting in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And then just to put the icing on the cake, that brings this birth full circle. Found again in John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. So I'd like to sum up this brief backstory of this epic birth. And I hope and pray that by giving you all these scripture references was for a purpose, by saying that the story of the virgin birth reveals to us that salvation does not come from man, but by God alone. This changes everything about the whole face of the planet. Salvation does not come by man alone by man, but by God alone. So if salvation is clearly is not the natural work of man, there's nothing that you and I can do to save ourselves. Salvation can only be made possible by the supernatural work of God. And I would submit to you that it is in this text in Matthew 1 that the greatest mystery in the whole universe is revealed. And I think what Matthew is trying to inform us is that the birth of Jesus Christ is a miracle. An absolute miracle. One of my favorite pastors says it like this, The incarnation, the doctrine of Jesus' full humanity and full deity, is the most extraordinary miracle of the whole Bible. So based on this truth, the Savior of the world, born of a virgin mother, is God in the flesh. Is God in the flesh. God has come into our world to take on human flesh. Fully human, yet still fully divine. Fully God. And makes our, His dwelling among us. This changes everything. So let's move on to verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Why the birth of Jesus Christ is so important. Why it seems to be the central of human history. Because we celebrate on Christmas this gift that God has given the world. That Jesus has come into the world to save his people from their sins. And we must understand something here. The very purpose Jesus came to this earth was to make a way for us to know God. For us to be reconciled back to God. To be in right relationship with God. There was nothing you or I could have ever done to make ourselves right with God. Impossible. Utterly impossible because of our own sin. We are born with a sinful nature. Because back in Genesis, when Adam and Eve turned against God, they rebelled against God. Sin then entered into the world. And we have been born with this same sin nature. All people have sinned and are born with the sin nature. This is just the reality that we live in. Which brings me to my second favorite point. My second favorite reason that I love the Christmas story so much. The Christmas story reveals the redeeming nature of God. The Christmas story reveals the redeeming nature of God. If you remember back in Genesis 1 and 2, God promised a seed from a woman. He promises to raise up a seed who would crush the head of the serpent. Maybe you remember that. And in the Christmas story, God delivers on that seed through the Virgin Mary. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how he does that. So what we have is the Spirit of God who was active in creation, was active in creating man, is now active in creating the life of Jesus. We see that the Holy Spirit creates life. The Holy Spirit creates life through the birth of this perfect Son of God. But don't miss this. As the Holy Spirit creates life, The Holy Spirit, in the same way, recreates life in sinners. So as the Holy Spirit creates life, the Holy Spirit is recreating life in sinners. Paul writes this in Ephesians, that we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. The gospel has moved for 2,000 years with such power, not because it changes people's lives, From being from good people to bad people, or from bad people to good people. That's not the purpose of the gospel. It doesn't take bad people and make them good people. The gospel has moved with such power for all of these years because it takes dead people and makes them alive again. The power of the gospel, and I love that. It takes dead people and makes them alive. Paul says in 2 Corinthians... For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with Christ, made, be made right with God through Christ. So again, in Genesis, there was this perfect relationship between God and man, until they rebelled against God. And so now you have a man born of the Spirit, in Adam, who would succumb to sin. Well, Paul writes in Romans 5, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Based on these scriptures, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. These are scriptures that you know. To think of these scriptures and put it in the Christmas story, it changes everything. So back to the virgin birth, Matthew 1. We have this perfect Savior, totally sinless. Jesus did not inherit sin. Jesus took sin on. Mary was not chosen because she was sinless, by the way. We know that based on what we've just read. Everyone has sinned. That's why Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. If Mary had not sinned, the virgin birth would not be as glorious. And the Christmas story would not be as meaningful to us. Not one who would give in to sin, but one who would save from sin. That's who Jesus is. Not one who would give in to sin, but one who would save from sin. The virgin birth, again, proves this. Salvation does not come through man, but by God alone. We cannot do anything to earn God's love. We can't do anything to earn salvation. Money does not buy you right standing with God. Being a good person does not earn you a right standing with God. Nothing can earn you or give you right standing with God. As Paul says in Ephesians, this is how you earn right standing with God. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not by your own doing. This is the gift of God. You want to talk about anticipating presents and gifts for Christmas. Christmas, this is the gift that triumphs over all gifts. That salvation does not come through man but by God alone and it is only through God's gift of his grace. You know, I don't know if any of you know my story or not, but as I mentioned at the beginning, Almost four years ago now uh, is when I came to Christ. That's when I became a believer of Jesus, and everything in my life began to change. But before that, because I'm 31 years old, so two days before I turned 28, I was not a believer. So for 10 years of my life, I'm just going to sum this up as quick as I can. I was an alcoholic. That's all I knew. That's all I did. That's all I knew. I, I drank. I did not grow up in the church. I knew nothing about Jesus, did not care anything about Jesus was on a very, very, very dangerous, scary track in life. I went to jail five times for public intoxication. I'm in Bible college now, so how, how can that be? Praise God, because I heard this message. Friends invited me to church. One of them's here today, actually, that would not stop annoying me about this Jesus, about this gift, this new way of life. That God could change my life. That th- that this Jesus is not awkward, but that He's good. That He is a good shepherd. That He is a good shepherd. That He loves His people. And that He came to this earth to save His people and to make all things new in a person's heart. And so I accepted this message that I heard at church one day, and it changed everything for me. And I was baptized. And on that day, the desire to drink alcohol was completely wiped away. God had performed a miracle in my heart. But that's not even the best part. Because I went from not being right with God to being totally right with God. Not by anything I could have done. I came out of alcoholism into salvation. Alcoholism into a new way of life. And, and your story may be completely different, but the same is true to you. But once you were lost and now you are found. Because this king came into the world. to Take away the sins of the world. That all those who would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. This is why we celebrate Christmas. And this is why we anticipate Christmas. And again, if you're like me, this is why we skip over Halloween and go straight to Christmas. So perhaps now you're thinking of a time that you gave your life to Jesus and everything changed. Because when you start to think about that this time of year, it changes the way you celebrate Christmas. If you took a moment just to think about that time when you said that you wanted to follow Jesus, now maybe not everything completely changed right away. That's not the the case for any of us. But but when God puts a new spirit in you, things begin to change. And when you look back on your life, whenever that was, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever, it will change the way you celebrate Christmas. And this is the beauty of our God. that He takes the hurts in our lives and He turns them into joys. He takes the suffering in your life and He turns it into satisfaction. He takes the pain in our lives and He turns it into eventual pleasure. He takes the rebellion in every one of our lives, and he turns it into righteousness. He takes the sins of our lives, and he turns it into salvation. This is the beauty of our God. Behold this God who brings salvation to the world. So let's pick up in Matthew 1, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will give will be with the child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The third reason why I love Christmas so much, and I love the Christmas story now more than ever, is that God is with us. I have never appreciated and loved loved the song, I think it's by Lauren Daigle, called Emmanuel. Emmanuel, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. That's not originally Lauren Daigle, but it's her version that I love so much. But that song itself, I love it so much because it brings new meaning to everything inside of me, that God has come to dwell among his people, that he is not far from us, that he is near to us, and that he is with us. This is why we love Christmas so much. It isn't because of the lights or the trees or the presents, but it's because of his presence, that he is. He's made a home inside of us that He is God with us. He is God in us. He is God for us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, from Christ Jesus. You know, there's a story I heard that I think is worth telling um, about this pastor who was in the Middle East doing ministry. And it was during the time of Ramadan, so it was the holy month uh, for the Muslim faith. And they were eating dinner late. At night, and he's sitting across from this group of Muslims, and they are just finishing their fast uh, for however long that they did it. And these guys are asking this pastor, this Christian pastor, about Jesus. What, what are his thoughts on Jesus? Who, who is Jesus? And so, after they had broken their fast, they begin this conversation. And so, this pastor, knowing full well that these Muslims did not think of Jesus as God in the flesh. They thought that to think of Jesus as God in the flesh is absolutely blasphemous kind of doctrine. To think that Jesus is a human and fully human and fully God, incomprehensible. And so this pastor looks at me and he says, Well, what, what, let me ask you this. If I were to ask my wife to marry me, would it be better that I personally go up to my wife and ask her to marry me or would it be kind of, or, or would it be kind of strange if I sent someone else to ask my wife to marry me? And of course they would say, "Well, of course you you would go and ask your wife to marry you." I mean, obviously you would go and ask your wife to marry you. Then he'd say, "Why? Why is why is it not okay for me to send someone else to go ask my wife to marry me? Because in the manners of love, these Muslims said." One must go for himself. So obviously, you have to go for yourself. One must go for himself. In the matters of love, this is the Muslim's response. One must go for himself. So this story got me thinking that the beauty of the message of Jesus, the Christ, is that God sent not a prophet like he did in the past. He didn't send one prophet or another prophet. He didn't send a messenger or... For someone else to tell this message, God came as himself. Because in the matters of love, one must come himself. This is the deafening reality of the gospel that seems so incomprehensible to so many people. But for those who believe it is irresistible, what this infinitely great God, mighty in power, out of love for us, has come to be with us, has come to dwell in us, God with us, Emmanuel. God has come to heal the sick. He has come Himself to feed the hungry. God has come to uh, bless the poor, specifically the poor in spirit. Jesus says, Come unto Me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's a life verse for many of us, isn't it? God has come. He has come to deliver the demon-possessed And free them from captivity. You read those stories in the gospel. They're powerful. God. In Christ. Has come to do all of these things. But none of them are as great. As God coming to set the law. Or to. uh, to God has. God in Christ has come to do all these things. But as great as all these things are, none of them are ultimate because ultimately God has come to rescue the lost. This is what I meant. So, God has come in the flesh to a sin-stained world with sin-stained men and women to take the penalty of sin in the place of sinners. Think of it. You and I, with this sinful nature, born with the sinful nature, separated from God, condemned before God, Cut off from God, deserving of death, eternal death, and God has come through the Virgin of Christ. He's among us. He's with us. Lived the life that we could not live. Died the death that we deserved to die, and then rose from the grave, conquering the enemy we could not conquer. There is no greater story and reality in the world than this right here. And this is the magnitude of of what is celebrated in the birth of Jesus Christ. And when you think of these reasons to celebrate Christmas, to anticipate Christmas, it changes everything. Christmas is great. Blessing other people with presents and gifts and all those things are wonderful. And we should continue to do those. But to sit for a moment and realize the magnitude of what the virgin birth actually means that our God has come into the world to save us from our sins, to never leave us, to never forsake us, but to live inside of us, to always be with us. He's God with us. I just want to end by reading these words out of Revelation 21. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the, and the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. to all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. If you remember anything about God during this Christmas, let us remember this, that He is good, that He is mighty, that He comes in power, that He comes full in strength. A baby who came in weakness has now come and and conquered death on the cross and now lives and bodies in, in the people of God to celebrate Christmas for a different reason. This is what this message is. It's God's love in Christmas. I hope and I pray that Christmas will never be the same for you. And I know some of you are thinking, you don't even have a hair on your face and you're telling me how to celebrate Christmas. I've been a Christian for decades. And no, I'm not telling you that. I'm just saying, I think as as, as a body of believers, if we started to think during this Advent season, every single Advent season, that the only reason we have an Advent season is because God came in the flesh. To dwell among his people. And to save his people from their sins. It's because you were once dead in your sins. And now have been alive in Christ. And your whole life has been changed for And it changes your entire eternity. He has come to live among his people. To seek and save the lost. To set the captives free. To redeem all people. And reconcile all people back to him. This is the beauty of the gospel. That our God is good. And he lives among us. Will you pray with me?